so where are we going this morning? This morning we're in John chapter 12 primarily. There's going to be a couple other passages that will lead up to this to help you understand what we're talking about. We're talking about three siblings this morning. Three siblings. Three siblings that we have seen more than once in Scripture. We see them the first time in Luke and then Darcy ta- uh, preached on the, uh, one of them, how many weeks ago? Two weeks ago now, on Lazarus. We're talking about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These three siblings, they all seem to give a different picture of wh- who we tend to gravitate towards as believers. Things that we see in our vision as being important and what needs to happen and what the church should be. This morning we want to look at all three and we want to understand what is God actually saying? How do we understand these three and then marry them and put them into beautiful unity in the church so that we can better reflect what we should be? So let's go to Luke chapter 10 verse 38 to 41 quickly. Just to give our uh, backstory of the first time we see these three in Scripture is in Luke 10, chapter 38, verses 38 to 41. I'm reading out of the uh, CSB. Let's read together. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into their home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So I tell you, so tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. It's a passage of scripture that I think we've heard preached on many times. If you've been in the church, you've probably heard this passage of scripture. And it probably went something like this. Is that Mary had it right because she just waited at Jesus' feet. And Martha had it wrong because she was just too busy running around. I think there's a bit more here than just that. And before we pick up in John 12 where we see these two again... Let's really listen to what the words are saying. It says this. It says, Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet, was listening to what he said. It's a really key word there. He was listening. She was listening to what he said. And then the Lord says to her, what does he say? He says, Martha, Martha, you were worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. I don't think that Jesus was talking about being busy and not being busy. I think he was talking about what are you busy with? And what is the busyness creating in you? And what's the most important thing to you? See, Mary, I would actually see in this as Mary was trying to be a learner. It wasn't just about spending time with Jesus. It was she was listening to what he had to say. She wanted to know. Side note, this is also so many times through Scripture, we gloss over what the Lord is saying about women. 
And I just want to point it out here that Mary normally wouldn't in this culture be allowed to listen to a rabbi teach, but she's sitting at his feet and he has no problem with it. He has no problem. He said, whoever wants to learn about me, come and learn about me. Learn what I have to say. See, Mary wants to function from a place of listening to the Lord and knowing who he is and knowing what he's saying before she does anything. Martha, again, is busy. And yes, we're going to talk about the busyness and if that's good and not good. But you know what? There's a key in there. Jesus says this. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. I think Jesus is less he, less, he cares less that Martha is busy and more that she's just so consumed with worry and being upset. He's like, you're missing that I'm here. You're missing that I'm talking to you. Or you're missing that I'm present because you're just so worried about everything. Why are you so worried? It's the first time we see them. The next time we see them is uh, at Lazarus' death and resurrection. We see that back in John chapter 11, right before this chapter. And I won't go into a lot of it. Darcy preached so well on this chapter about, you know, how Jesus came and he was present with Martha and Mary. They were his friends. And so although he knew he was going to do the miracle, he sat and he wept with them first. Beautiful picture, again, that Jesus cared more about the relationship and the journey than maybe the destination they were getting to. Jesus knew that he was going to take away their pain, but instead of telling them to get up and suck it up and come see what I'm going to do, he said, let me sit with you in it for a minute. Let me just sit with you, be sad with you for a minute, allow you to feel what you need to feel. And then, yes, we'll get to the miracle. We'll get to the celebration. That's where we see Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The next time we see them is in John chapter 12, which is our passage this morning. So let's read it together. John chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to go down to verse 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with, them, with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume and pure, expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Side note, how often is our intention we say the right thing that sounds really godly, but we know our heart is actually pretty selfish? You know, you have people, I don't know if any of you have this as nothing to do with the passage, but we're going to go there just for a second. You know how many of you have people in your lives that have this kind of gift of discernment, and then you say one thing, and they're like, call you out on, that's not what I said. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what your heart meant. Those are good people to have in your life. They might chafe you a bit. They might make you feel a little uncomfortable. But if you don't have those people, find those people, because you need them. You need the people who see past the words you speak and see the heart that's behind them and challenge you with that heart. Let's continue. 
He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what, he wa- what was there and put in it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Then a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. Again, we see these three siblings. Anyone here have siblings? For anyone that doesn't, let me explain a few things about siblings. Caleb's like, yeah, explain to me. Gotcha, Caleb. I gotcha. When you don't have siblings, what you don't understand is that when you have siblings, you all fall into roles. Right? Someone is the planner, the one who gathers and organizes and makes sure everyone's okay. Someone's the wild child, you know, the one that's carefree and doesn't seem to care and it's all, life's all good. And someone's a little selfish. You know, tends to be just what siblings do. Why? Because the person who tends to be a little selfish can be because everyone else is doing everything for them. The one who's carefree realizes, you know what, no one else has time to care, so I guess I don't have time to care either. And the one who's a planner is like the one that, well, everyone does need to eat and things need to happen, so I guess I have to be the one to do it. All very valid points. But family dynamics fall into these categories, right? Whether or not it's actually your siblings or it's just the people that you are living with or whoever that is, households will fall into these dynamics of we all have our job and we have our place and then we put ourselves into a little box and this is who I am. I think often as the church we come in and we assume our roles are the same. Here's my box. Here's what I'm good at. Let me stay in my box. Let me stay good. I will do my job and you do your job. What do we see about those jobs in this passage? We see Mary again. What is Mary doing? She's just sitting at Jesus' feet. She's just hanging out with him. She's taking everything she has and she's pouring it on him. And on the surface, if you've never heard Luke chapter 10 preached, you would think it's the same. Here's where I see it's slightly different. I think because Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened and learned from him, she learned how to worship him and now she's worshiping. I think she spent so much time getting to know him that now she knew why she was worshiping. She knew what she needed to bring to him. She knew that none of this stuff that we have matters, that he deserves our best. And so she's bringing it to him now in John chapter 12. She's like, here's my best for you. Because all of it is yours anyway. So here's my best. Let me pour it at your feet. Let me worship you you. How many of you in the room would classify yourselves as worshipers? You know, your favorite place is just to be in God's presence. Let me worship. 
Let me just be with you, Lord. It is a beautiful picture. It's what scripture actually talks about, right? This most important thing is to actually know God and be with him. Everything else is secondary. We know that. But then there's Martha. What do we see about Martha here again? Martha was serving them. And I feel like Martha gets a bad rap. You know, everyone's like, you know, Martha, just sit down and do everything. No, Mary just gets to sit and do nothing because Martha's the one feeding everyone. Right? We're human beings. Like, they couldn't sit there for days and days on end. Someone had to feed them. Someone had to prepare the food. Someone has to do it. So the is-, is the issue really that Martha is the one serving? No, I think God actually expects us to serve. There's a lot in Scripture about having a servant heart. Christ actually calls his disciples. He says, no, you have not come to do anything but serve. The only thing I'm asking you to do is go serve my people. Serving is what does that person need and how do I give it to them? Jesus talks so much about this, about how do we serve people. The issue isn't doing and isn't serving. The issue is Are you meeting with Jesus first and then serving? See, because when you start from Mary's posture of let me learn who you are, and because now I know who you are, let me worship who you are and hear your voice, now I am doing from a place of knowing what you're asking me to do. And when you're doing from a place of knowing what God's asking you to do, all of a sudden the worry and the anxiety seems to dissipate. At least it should, because the outcome isn't yours to carry anymore. Because now, God, if you asked me to do it, the outcome doesn't matter. All I need to worry about is being obedient to what you've asked me to do. Martha. What about these two characters, though? Does the culture actually think about? What are we told about these two? If you look, I think that uh, we are put into this space of not knowing what is good and what is bad because we get mixed messages. If you look at the bestseller list of all the books, you're probably going to see them all fall into one of two categories. One, how can I be a more effective person? How can I make more money? How can I do it better? How can I maximize the hours in my day? How can I schedule my life better? How do I plan my life so that I can be successful? Category two, how do I get inner healing and peace? How do I have calm? How do I stop and smell the roses? Someone else see that those two seem to be opposing thoughts? We speak uh, with our mouths often and we put it on our social media pages of what's most important is the people in our lives and the time with them. What's most important is things that are everlasting and not things that will fade. We put these things out there, but then... 
Watch someone when they talk about someone who is successful and busy. You know? Oh, they're that person. They're just so busy. Like, their life is so full. Look at what they do. That's just so amazing. Like, how do they do all of that? They're just such a great person. When's the last time we said someone was such a great person? You look, look at that person. They have been sitting by the water for four days. They're just like, you know, eating their chips, staring at the sun. Oh, they're just such a great person. They are changing the world. Do you see my point? Is that we would speak that our most important thing is to be at Jesus' feet, to learn from him, to be with him, and everything else flows from that. But... It's not necessarily what we actually value. People who say no so that they can spend more time with Jesus, we probably internally say, well, I wish they weren't so selfish. I wish they weren't so lazy and they'd just do a little more because then I would have to do less. Don't get me wrong, we're going to get there. Serving is important. But if we really think about it, what will we say our top value is? That didn't make sense. What, what, what is our top value? Our top value should be this place of learning who God is and spending time with him. Because Jesus talks about that, but you know what else he talks about a lot? What you're supposed to do. So clearly, Jesus isn't telling us to not do anything. If you read, his commandments are most about doing things. Go feed the poor. Take care of those that are widows and orphans. Go feed my sheep. Teach them about who I am. Baptize them. Spend time with them. Get together. Eat meals together. Someone needs to cook the meals. If you're supposed to get together and eat meals together... Spend time together. Jesus is talking about this position of your heart, saying, okay, spend time with me first, and from there, you're going to know what I'm asking you to do, and then do it. The doing isn't the problem. It's the who's commanding you on what to do. When we are busy for the sake of being busy, We've missed the mark. God doesn't need us to do anything for him. But he sure wants us to. He wants us to. Why? Because when we hear him and we learn from him and then we spend time with him and then from that place we hear his voice and we do from that place. We get to see what happens in Lazarus' life. What is Lazarus? Lazarus, as a sibling, his only job is to proclaim the miracle. His only job. He's sitting at the table reclining. He's just there, doing nothing. I'm doing nothing, but I'm speaking louder than anyone else in the room. Because he's proclaiming the miracle that God did in his life. 
He's proclaiming the miracle. Like I asked, everyone is, you know, there's people in the church that are the worshipers. Worshipers, again, put your hands up. Okay? And we've got the doers, the Marthas. Let's be honest. Who's a Martha? I think some of you are lying, but that's fine. And then we've got the, what are you whispering? <laughs> you are more of a doer. It's okay, we both are. It's bad. Um, and then we've got those that just want to be Lazarus. Right? Their whole goal is, I just want a miracle. Like, God, I just want, I just, I just want a miracle. I don't want to be in your presence for the sake of you transforming me. I want to be in your presence because it makes me feel good. You hear what I said? I don't want to be in your presence because I want it to transform me, because I actually want it to do something in me so that I will go out and do what you're asking me to do. I just want to be in your presence because it makes me feel so good. And don't get me wrong, there is a place and a time for sitting in God's presence and feeling amazing because sometimes we just need that. Sometimes we just need that so we can do what he's asking us to do. This morning, I really didn't feel like preaching. I came in here with a headache and tired and be like, oh, dear Jesus, I should have said yes when James asked me if he wanted me to preach or wanted him to preach this morning. But as I sat in his presence and I think about my message, I got to just be with him. Yeah, I was rejuvenated to get to do what he asked me to do and now I'm excited to share the word with you. But, but you're missing the point if we are searching after the presence of the Lord so that we can feel good. That's not the intention. I won't ask you to put your hand up because no one will. But there are those people. There are those people that are also searching for the Lazarus. They want to gravitate towards, you know, the miracle stories that we hear, the ones that, like, someone was healed from something miraculous, and now they're going around speaking about it because somehow they have more of the presence of the Lord now. They really don't. They just have a better testimony. See, Lazarus did nothing. It was just God's grace. God's grace raised him from the dead. It wasn't because he was all that special. It was just God wanted people to see his glory, and he said, I'm going to use you to do it. It's, you know, that passage where the disciples are asking Jesus, who sinned with the blind man? Who sinned, his parents or him? And what does he respond with? He says, no one. He is here so the people will see my Father and his glory. It's so that people will see my Father and his glory. It has nothing to do with him. I think maybe we would have less pressure on ourselves to pray the right way, to do it the right way, to not carry the weight if somehow we don't get the right answer that we think we need to our prayer, especially for those big things that we need healing from. Don't get me wrong. God wants to heal. It's in his word. He wants us to be free. He cares about our pain but we carry the weight of the miracle and somehow producing the miracle instead of understanding that sometimes it's just the right place at the right time because God wants to be glorified. Amen? That's actually good news. 
Why? Because all the stuff that bothers us will all wash away one day and we're going to end up in heaven and every, any one of us will feel wonderful and glory all the time. Yes, amen. That is good news. So, so what? If we don't get our miracle today. Don't get me wrong. God wants to do miracles. He wants to heal. We should pray for healing. We should pray for the things and have faith that he's going to do them because it's in scripture. But when they become our primary instead of our secondary, we have a problem. Here's the thing about Lazarus. Lazarus didn't do anything for the miracle, but there's actually some negative that came along with it. Two things. One, he became kind of a rock star. Right? It says there, then a large crowd of Jews learned that he was there. They came not only because Jesus was there. They didn't care as much about Jesus. They came to see Lazarus, the one that he had raised from the dead. Right? Those people that just wanted to come and see the miracle. But then we see the other ones. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also. Because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. God will do things in your life. He will do miracles. He will bring healings. He will do the miraculous in your life if you are following him. Why? Because that just seems what we see in scripture. That if you are spending time with him, you're learning who he is, and you're walking out what he's asking you to do, his glory falls. It just happens. If that is the rhythm we see in scripture, then we should expect that rhythm in our life as well. That's what happens. God shows up. But here's the thing. When God shows up, that's not going to make everyone happy. Some people will be very unhappy with you. Why will some people be very unhappy with you? Because the spirit that now lives in you is chafing against the spirit that is in them. Because when God shows up and he does something in your life, sometimes people are envious and jealous because they think somehow that they should be just as good as you. And they forget that it has nothing to do with anyone being just as good as anyone else. It's just because God has grace and chooses to do miracles sometimes and chooses to not other times. They will feel bitter and jealous because maybe their own pain has overshadowed that. Another reason why is their pride. You know, the, the uh, chief priests, the religious people, you know why they were upset? They were upset because people were leaving their church to go where the miracle was. They were upset because people were leaving them because now all of a sudden who they were was being a little bit uh, chafed. They were being pressed to have to look and say, why? Why are people searching for something different? If we're actually serving the one true God and we're in his plan and we're listening to what he's saying, why are people leaving? Some people will leave. A church 
a body, leave faith because they're searching for the miracle and not the miracle maker. That is true. Some people will leave because they're searching for the miracle instead of the miracle maker. But others will leave the faith, the church, even a church for a different church because they're searching for the presence of the Lord and they're not finding it present. They didn't want to look at that. They didn't want to look at themselves and say, okay, is the presence of the Lord here? Are we serving the one true God in the way that we should be serving him? Or are we just do, serving our own agenda? It's a warning for us as the church. It's a warning for us as believers. When something chafes us, and we want to kill what's going on in someone else's life, what God's doing in them. We need to take a minute. We need to stop. We say, why? Is it because it's not the Lord? That's possible. Is it because there's actually another spirit at work there? Absolutely possible. Or is this because something's going on in me that I need to deal with? I'm going to call the worship team up. I want to end with just a couple verses, verses 17 and 19. It says this, Meanwhile, the crowd which has, had been uh, with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him now. People are searching for truth. And when God shows up and he does the miraculous, things will change. And no matter how much we might want to try and hold on and not let them change, sometimes it's better to just go with the flow. Remember, let's just leave our plans a little open-handed and say, God, whatever you're doing, we want to be where you are. We want to be going where you're going, whether or not it makes sense or doesn't make sense. We are going where you're going. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I do want you to ask the Lord this question before you leave this place. It is this. Where do I have this unbalance? Because if you haven't got it yet... We need all of the Mary, Martha, and Lazarus all within ourselves. We don't need some servers in the church and some worshipers in the church and some who just proclaim the miracle. We're each supposed to contain all three of those. Where am I getting it wrong? Where am I not sitting and learning from the Lord so that I can worship and hear his voice? Or maybe the Lord has been speaking to you. He's been speaking to you for a while and you're choosing to just not do what he's asking you to do. Don't expect him to keep on showing up. You wonder why he's gone silent? Maybe ask, ask the Lord again, what did you tell me last time? 
Maybe I haven't been obedient to that. Maybe that's why you're not telling me something new to do now. Maybe you're not doing it. Maybe you're wrestling with needing a miracle and it's putting a stumbling block in your faith. Maybe you're carrying the weight or the guilt that the miracle somehow has to do with what you can do and maybe you're doing it wrong. And I wanna say to you this morning that if that's you, that is a lie from the enemy. God loves you just as much as the person that you've heard that has the miraculous thing that has happened, the testimony that you have heard. God loves you just as much. He cares about you just as much. You haven't done something wrong. And we believe that God is capable of doing the miracle in your life too. But don't let that hang you up on hearing from him and being obedient to him. Ask the Lord which one of these three do you have to work on before you leave here. Why? Because we don't do church just to do church. We do church so that we can hear from God, so that we can meet together, encourage each other, but leave here differently. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray over you and we're going to worship. God, I thank you that your word is rich with wisdom. God, I'm sorry that our heart posture often is to go to extremes. That our heart posture is to gravitate towards what we like and not necessarily what you want to do in us, God. This morning, as a church, we declare, do what you want. God, we declare that we are humble before you, saying, speak to us. Do what you want through us. God, may we be a church that celebrates those that are sitting at your feet because that's where they need to be. God, that we celebrate those that are up serving because that's what you've called them to do. God, we celebrate with those that have received the miracle and give you all the glory. God, may we be a church that celebrates all of what you're asking from us. Will you push us a little further? a little deeper. God, we don't want to be ankle deep. We don't want to be knee deep. We want to be submersed in your presence, submersed in your plans. Help us to bind together and be a better reflection.